Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. This is another in our series unique to Austin, and there is nothing more unique about Austin than South by Southwest. Over the past 30 years, Austin has grown, matured, and adapted to everything new, and South by has as well. Today, after two years of dealing with the pandemic, South by Southwest is back, and it's live. From March 11th through the 20th, there will be hundreds of presentations across dozens of topics, as well as workshops, seminars, screenings, and of course, music. We are happy to have Hugh Forrest, Chief Programming Officer for South by Southwest, and appreciate him taking some time away from the mad rush just before the event. Hugh oversees content for the South by Southwest Conference, as well as the music festival, the film festival, and the educational aspects of the program. He was named Austin Night of the Year in 2012 by the Austin Chamber of Commerce, and in 2014, he and other South by Southwest directors were named Austin Entrepreneur of the Year by Ernst & Young. Before joining the South by Southwest team, he founded the Austin Challenger and wrote for several other newspapers and publications. Today, we want to take this up a level, discussing more than the 2022 conference. Not only do we want to discuss the history of this Austin icon, but how it fits into the innovation ecosystem, how local companies are part of South by Southwest, and what's in store for the future. Welcome you. Thanks for being with us today. And thanks for taking some time from your crazy schedule to be part of the Austin Next podcast. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's great to be here. We want to start with a kind of a brief recap of South by Southwest history. Talk to us about the beginnings of South by and what was the impetus for its creation? Uh, well, South by Southwest is much older than most people or a lot of people think. Uh, the event started Way back in 1987, Austin was a much different place back in 1987, and but it was a place that celebrated and cultivated creativity, and I think it's very much a place that celebrates and cultivates uh, creativity now, and that's always been the uh, DNA that has fueled South by Southwest. Uh, when it started, when, when South by Southwest started in 1987, it was entirely focused on music and media. It was called the South by Southwest Music and Media Conference. To get a little more into that history, it was um, patterned after, somewhat patterned after an event in New York called the New Music Seminar. Uh, the New Music Seminar is where a lot of the uh, of your favorite bands from the mid to late '80s were discovered. Um, Madonna, uh, things like that, acts like that, um, and at one point the organizers of the new music seminar were going to branch out to Austin and create this thing called new music seminar South or something along those lines. Unfortunately, those plans fell through and the local folks who were going to work with this, the, the organizers from New York decided to do the event on their own. The local folks were largely centered around the Austin Chronicle and uh, lo and behold, they managed to pull this thing off. And um, it has been growing and improving and uh, uh, celebrating cre creativity ever since then. 
you know, 35 years. My God, it's amazing. So when did South by become South by? Well, I think it's like, it's like a lot of things, Austin. I think your question is more like, when was South by Southwest still authentic as opposed to, you know, <laughs> what it is now? Cause it was a lot better five years ago. Um, that is, you know, uh, for everyone who's lived in Austin for uh, any amount of time, you've heard that refrain constantly. And, and it's true. The city was great five years ago. It's going to be even better five years from now. So, so there, but I think that to your question of when did South by become self by, I mean, you know, again, it's always, we've always celebrated creativity uh, in all its many forms. And uh, that hasn't changed since the beginning. What has changed is just kind of more avenues of creativity that we've added to the mix. So when we started in 1987, uh, almost entirely focused on music, but a little bit of focus on, on media. And again, that was because of the Austin Chronicle and the network of AAN papers um, that it was connected to. In 1994, we added what was uh, then a called uh, film and multimedia because multimedia was the uh, relative state of the art back in 1994. After one year, we separated those into two different events. So a film event and a multimedia event. The multimedia event, eventually, uh, the name eventually transitioned to interactive. And that's roughly um, the three pillars that are that still stand today. But, uh, you know, over the years, we've just we've, we've simply added um, more areas of, of focus. A lot of that was because of this panel picker interface we use to kind of a mod, modified crowdsourcing approach to um, programming. And that opened up conference programming to all different kinds of verticals. So um, someone who was, you know, uh, involved with food, um, who had always wanted to speak at South by Southwest, put in a session related on food. And lo and behold, soon enough, we had a handful of sessions on food um, and, and similar many other verticals. I will also say that that is part that has been part of the uh, formula for expansion, so to speak. I think another part of the formula for expansion is simply kind of following the lead of um, what the city, uh, what the vibe of the city is. I mean, the, the fact that we added film and multimedia in 1994 clearly reflected some of the new industries that were, were popping up uh, in, in Austin at that time period. Multimedia being, you know, the, this, this little computer company called Dell that was beginning to, um, you know, stretch its legs and become more than a little computer company and film with, you know, people like uh, Robert Rodriguez um, and Rick Linkletter making this a, a nice little capital of indie filmmaking. More recently, um, we have added, say, a health and med tech track. And that is certainly uh, in large part due to the fact that we have a Dell Medical School in Austin. And the, the long tail of health tech, med tech, biotech, um, gen tech, however you want to phrase it, activity that has followed uh, the Dell Medical School. One of our new tracks for... 2022 is that we have a transportation track. Um, so focusing on all kinds of innovation within the transportation sphere. Um, on the one hand, this is 
you know, this is reflective of a lot of tech events, um, CES, where car shows become tech shows and tech shows become car shows. But it is also very, very reflective of what Elon has birthed here in Austin with the uh, Cybertruck factory, that there's a lot more transportation startups in the city. Uh, there's more um, established transportation companies that are interested in the city. Um, it's a, it's, it's growing that that sector of the economy is growing like crazy. And it, it certainly made sense for us to cover it more in 2022. And I say more because we've done some transportation stuff in the past, but probably not as much ever as we're doing for 2022. Well, last time we talked, you did tell me that South by Southwest has always reflected Austin. And I think the changes you just described indeed um, show that to be true. Tell me what are some of your fondest memories about South by over the years? What What's stuck out? The, the fondest memories I have of South by Southwest are just meeting and connecting with people on site during the event. And, and certainly more or more specifically there, it's people telling me that this is the highlight of their year, that they get a year's worth of inspiration by coming to Austin in the spring, that they came here last year, they found a new job, they found an investor, they found a startup they wanted to invest in, they met their boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or husband by coming to the event. So it's really neat to be involved with an event that uh, that that has that kind of impact on a lot of uh, very, very creative people. Um, in terms of very much more specific things, I mean, I'm, I'll certainly always remember the, the um, 2016 when we were fortunate enough to have President Obama come to South by Southwest. That was certainly a huge, huge highlight. And then uh, similarly, uh, you know, roughly five months later, we did a we worked with the White House on an, on an event in Washington D.C. called South by South Lawn. Um, so it was like a mini South by Southwest um, at the South Lawn of the, the White House, and that was really really neat. Also, I think my favorite uh, story that I, I mean I've told this story several times. One of my favorite memories from South by Southwest was uh, 2009, which was. Um, the year that uh, we had a um, young entrepreneur in the social media space speaking at South by Southwest, uh, he had a this person had a, a small startup that few people were on and um, seemed like it had some pretty interesting plans for um, expansion. That that young founder was one Mark Zuckerberg, and his uh, startup was obviously Facebook. We were fortunate enough to have him as a keynote speaker that year. Unfortunately, it was the keynote was a, um, by all accounts, a, a pretty large scale disaster. We had uh, a lot of people get up mid keynote and and leave the session. It just you know everything that went wrong uh, that could have gone wrong went wrong, um, uh, and that was. Disappointing for us, disappointing for Facebook, disappointing, I think, for our audience. Um, now, that, that in itself is not my favorite memory. The favorite memory is um, a day later, we had a keynote. Our, our next keynote was a gentleman named Frank Warren, who uh, has a project called uh, Post Secret, which um, is still going. It's not quite as popular as it was 10 or 15 years ago, but it's a it's a kind of internet meme um, that has a real world uh, 
uh, tie-in where people write their secrets on postcards. They send it to uh, Frank and he posts these online. And his basic thesis is that our, our um, secrets are what hold us back. And if we can release our secrets um, and absolve ourselves of these secrets, our future is much brighter. Um, at that point, uh, Frank was doing a bunch of shows. I mean, he would do 200 shows a year. I saw him at Book People maybe six months before South by Southwest. I was absolutely blown away. I was like, God, we got to get this person for South by Southwest. And the same thing happened at South by Southwest as what happened at Book People, which is that by halfway through his presentation, the whole audience is crying because the power of, of this idea of releasing secrets. Um, and why I like that story is that it was two completely different visions or versions of online community. You had this vision of uh, Facebook, which I think a lot of the reason why people left was they felt that this was, even in 2009, they saw that there was a, perhaps an exploitative nature there of this vision of uh, community. And then a day later, this Frank Warren vision, which was much more authentic, and um, you know, just really struck uh, our community as as what they wanted South by Southwest, and the, the you know the icing on the cake or the cherry on top or whatever of Frank Warren's presentation, and and um, this was essentially on the fly. I mean, I knew that it was going to happen ten minutes before it happened, but not much longer. Is that um, he asked for audience? You know, he, he did a ten minutes of audience Q and A. At the end of his presentation, and the second person uh, who came up to the stage for uh, Q and A um, took out a ring and asked his girlfriend to marry him on stage. Wow! <laughs> and she was in the audience. So, I mean, that whole thing—you know—I would love to say that we planned that out and we scripted that. You know, it was all like um, figured out. It wasn't, but it just—it—it it, it was a uh, uh, the dramatic arc of conflict and resolution there worked out really well. I'm assuming she said yes. She did say yes. Oh, I good. think they, they actually they were in New York at the time. I think they actually like everyone else moved to Austin a few years ago. So <laughs> okay. so there. Sounds about right. Yeah, really. So let's talk about this year. What are you most excited about for 2022? I know for me, I'm most excited about it being live again. Yeah. Well well certainly that I mean you know this is our first live event since 2019, three years. That's a long time. A heck of a lot has happened over that time period. We uh, we did a completely virtual event last year, and I think we were generally pleased with how that went and learned a lot. That said, our, our, you know, we got 30 years of experience, 30 plus years of experience doing live events. So getting back to <laughs> what we do best, we're all very excited about. We're certainly also very excited that, um, uh, I'm going to say knock on wood still because I'm superstitious that Omicron seems like it is plateaued and is receding in Austin as it is around the U.S. and generally around the world. Um, so people do feel safer coming to big events like South by Southwest. We will have very rigorous safety protocols, but but yes, our, uh, more people feel uh, safe about the event. From a more specific standpoint in terms of speakers, one of the ones that I am most excited about for 2022 is one of our keynote speakers, someone that I've wanted to have at South by Southwest for, you know, 
20, 25 years. And it's just the timing has never quite worked. And it's always all about timing on these things. Um, this is the science fiction author, Neil Stevenson, who uh, has he's got a new book out about climate change. But um, uh, most people know him from the from his book, Snow Crash, mm-hmm. which essentially predicted the metaverse, you know, long before uh, that previous keynote speaker uh, thought about renaming his company as such. So uh, it, it'll be great to have him at South by Southwest. Um, really excited, but, you know, I, I'm uh, even more so I'm excited to have an in-person event, something where people can come together. I think that, you know, uh, you, you've heard this meme from me before, but I think one of the things we we learn every year at South by Southwest or relearn that, you know, it's a it's an event about music. It's an event about film. It's an event about technology. It's an event about food. It's an event about cars. It's an event about spaceship. No, it's really a, an event ultimately about people getting together and connecting face to face. And that power of what happens when you put a whole bunch of creative people together in a city that celebrates creativity in a time of the year when it's getting warmer, the flowers are beginning to come out, the, the days are getting warmer, um, and some really amazing things can happen. And, and that's always been a formula for um, what we've done and what we've done successfully at South by Southwest. Well, this year's going to be a hybrid event, as I understand it. So we'll take some of the best from the online virtual event of last year and obviously the best of live events. What's that going to look like for the attendees? Hybrid, the magic of that word is that it can mean anything, right? Um, it is appropriately vague, but what will it what will it mean is we will have quite a few attendees who only buy the virtual virtual badge. So they will be able to they will attend virtually. As with last year, that opens the event up to lots of people who could could never attend in person. Uh, and really excited about that and really excited how that expands our market long-term. Uh, for people who have bought uh, a traditional badge, regular badge, they can experience the event um, in person at the convention center, at the Hilton, at the many film venues that we use, the many music venues that we use um, all around Austin. But they can also go online and watch content that way. So if they miss the, you know, a session in one of our bigger rooms, they can click back on a day later and, and watch that session uh, off of our VOD video on demand offerings. So it, it would give people a little more flexibility in terms of how they absorb the content and uh, engage with the content. And certainly one of the um, you know coolest aspects of that is that uh, it will help to a small degree mitigate the um, ever-present concept of FOMO, fear of missing out, which is a big part of South by Southwest, but not always in a positive way. So if you're a little more relaxed that, uh, I don't need to attend that session because I can watch it later or listen to the podcast of it later. Then um, maybe that uh, helps improve the experience in, in some significant ways also. That was always one of the stressors when I was going to conferences. There was always two sessions that I really, really wanted to go to. And of course, they were scheduled to be at the exact same time. And it's like, ah, what do I do now? We talked a little bit about attendance. What do we look like for attendance, uh, you know, on this uh, this year's event? It, it's a little, I mean, we're taping this essentially 
10 days before the event begins, it's still a little bit hard to tell because our patterns of attendance have been so different in 20, our patterns of registering have been so different in 2022 than ever before. Uh, And that is mainly because of COVID. February has been probably our biggest February ever uh, with um, lots and lots of signups and uh, essentially more signups every day than the next day. And that again aligns with more people feeling more comfortable about coming to Austin because they're reading that, that, that Omicron has has receded and declined. So I think we'll continue to see that uh, very strong sign-up numbers um, for the next 10 days as we head into the event. Uh, I don't know if we will reach the the attendance totals we had in 2019. I think we'll be pretty close. Um, Certainly, we will probably have a little less international attendance than we had over the last few years. The internationals had grown to become about 25% of our attendees, which is a neat thing, but certainly in a, um, you know, in a COVID world or a world coming out of COVID, that international um, uh, stuff uh, maybe becomes a little bit of more of a challenge than an asset. Um, but, but anyway, I mean, I mean, I think that it will, the, the crowds will be great. As always, a lot of different people from a lot of different places who have that one common theme of um, being incredibly creative in, in one or two different pursuits in their life and looking to connect with other very creative people. So we talked about how South by is a reflection of Austin in many ways and kind of both a leader and kind of follower and what we're talking about, but from a more nuts and bolts kind of integration, how have Austin companies been able to leverage South by to make an impact? And then are they able to actually utilize kind of a home court advantage? Uh, I, I think that Austin companies across the board have uh, gotten better and better in terms of utilizing the event, whether that is, um, you know, hosting some kind of official or unofficial event at their space, whether that is uh, if they're a bar or restaurant, um, you know, (laughs) finding ways to get more of those out-of-town visitors to come to their uh, place of uh, place of business, whether that is is just understanding the um, best ways to network, best places to network, or whether it's understanding the best places to park when you have to when you want to go downtown to see music or see a movie or something like that. Um, there there is a little bit of a home court advantage on all those aspects. So you know I think that that um, the fact that Austin is home to South by Southwest, that South by Southwest happens in Austin is one of the many factors that is that has um, been a part in the city's um, big uh, growth boom over the last 10 years and, and even more uh, specifically over the last year and a half. You know, uh, uh, a lot of people get their first taste of Austin, particularly a lot of people from the tech industry when they come to to. Austin in March for South by Southwest. And, and um, it may be that that's probably a very different taste than when you come here in July or August or September, but it, it nonetheless is, um, you know, a, a great touch point and uh, certainly inspires a lot of people to think about, uh, Hey, maybe I, maybe I could live here. This is a pretty neat place. I do want to pull on that thread actually, because one of the things that has been really fascinating about Austin is when you look at the raw data, I don't care if it's VC fund raised or it's new startups or Fortune 500 companies, our actual numbers 
versus what's going on in the national narrative, we continually seem to punch above our weight, which of course then becomes a wonderful self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's funny, how much do you think South by is a part of that Austin narrative and making it larger than the sum of its parts? Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think we, um, are part of that, that dynamic where the city's reputation in some ways, um, is more impressive than, than actual, the actual nuts and bolts of, of what's happening here. Um, that said, I, I think that, I think that argument is a little less valid in the last year or two years as more yeah. and more, of the kind of infrastructure that that makes this makes a strong tech ecosystem um, or a strong ecosystem in any number of other industries have relocated to the city, and, and you know um, that happened for a number of different reasons. But certainly the most uh, pressing reason was that you know the the workplace changes because of COVID um, made more people realize I don't have to live in. Silicon Valley, if I don't want to, or San Francisco or LA or whatever. And, and I, I'm going to um, offer a place that I think has better quality of life. Again, I, I mean, I think that I don't quite want to say fake it until you make it, but it's, there's a, certainly a little bit of that with uh, what Austin has done. And, you know, uh, we've been a part of that, but there's certainly a, n- a number of other things that have helped um, create this reputation of uh, this, you know, uh, amazing city in the middle of Texas, whether that's ACL or, you know, Eeyore's birthday party or, uh, or, uh, you know, Circuit of the Americas, uh, F1, uh, so many things that have contributed to this. I, I, you know, five or six years ago, maybe longer, 10 years ago, we talked a lot about the festival economy and how that was benefiting Austin, uh, where lots of people would come to the city for these different festivals and, and the, presumption or the supposition or the hypothesis was that that was going to lead to, you know, real economic activity, real growth, real, you know, waves of migration here. And I think that largely was, largely was accurate. I don't think that 10 years ago, anyone was predicting the pandemic, but, but again, um, predicting that, that the celebration of creativity, focus of creativity would continue to pay long-term dividends for the, for the city. Yeah. As you said, that the pandemic necessarily didn't create new trends. It accelerated some of the underlying ones. Yep. But, and I agree, I, it does feel like when you look back at the last 20, then 10, then five, like we're clearly at one of those inflection points going forward and moving from kind of, I think almost the, the virtuous flywheel to almost a center of gravity now. Now, the more things that are coming here is really pulling in more and more and almost the, uh, you know, an Austin FOMO where it's like, oh, well, it's happening there in Austin, so I'm probably going to be there as well. As we think about going forward, right, and looking at at the future, and as we see Austin continuing to evolve in different and interesting ways, we've talked about the tracks and so forth, but also as South By is evolving. I mean, so one, obviously, the big things is you guys had the, the Penske investment. How do you see that changing your approach to the future? Hard to say at this point. I mean, we're 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 still at the you know front end of this investment um, in this partnership. Uh, this will be our first year, our first event that we've worked together. Um, there have been a lot of great things about the partnership so far. It's also there as with any new partnership. It's a matter of you know learning how to dance and and not stepping on each other's toes and a little bit of that. But I but I also say that you know 
there's a little bit of same as it ever was here. You know, when South by Southwest started in 1987, our, our partner was the Austin Chronicle. Now the Austin Chronicle is not um, quite as mammoth a media beast as PMC, Penske Media Corp, but it was the big media thing in Austin in 1987. So there's always been that kind of media wing to the event. Um, and and in, in that sense, it's not uh, completely uncharted territory. I think as we move, uh, you know, into the latter half of 2022 and 2023, um, there are a lot of new projects that will work together on with with Penske. That's really exciting. Um, I think that you know, in the big picture, one of the, the 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 best things about South by Southwest is we've always embraced change and embraced evolution and embraced. Um, you know, uh, what's next, um, as opposed to trying to just duplicate what we did the year before. And, and the fact that that we started with music, um, we embraced film and technology. Um, now we have, you know, uh, world leaders coming to the event. Um, that again shows how much the event has evolved and how much it will continue to evolve. And that's pretty neat. That's pretty exciting. So I still know that we're you're we're heading up to 2022, but I'm asked to take a little bit to the view to the future. What do you think are the biggest challenges that you face for 2023 and beyond? I, I think the challenges that we face are, you know, how do we uh, continue to expand the audience in various different directions at once, meaning. Um, uh, and I'm uh, fumbling a little bit to get to the, uh, to, uh, something I like to talk about a lot, which is that again, Austin parallel, uh, South by Southwest parallels Austin. Um, and, you know, we need to continue to, to aggressively, um, embrace solutions that will get younger registrants into the event. People who may not be able to afford a badge at what a badge is priced now, younger companies, younger startups, that's certainly been one of the changes that we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years is the uh, price of attending the event has increased significantly. And again, that parallels the what we see in Austin, where the price of living here is, is um, increased significantly. So, so that's certainly one big challenge as to how to, you know, bring in an, a new younger audience as um, as the event continues to grow and, and um, uh, serve a, a, a relatively well-established audience also. I think, um, you know, we, we need to continue to embrace new technologies for, uh, we had a online metaversical world in 2021. We'll do that again in 2022. Um, we're going to certainly continue to see more of that moving forward. Um, I don't think that it's ever going to come anywhere close to replacing the full South by Southwest experience. But I think for a, a small portion of the audience, or maybe even a portion of the audience, that will be a way that more and more people will experience the event. I also think that, you know, again, there'll be new topics that we aren't touching on much now, um, but we'll probably, uh, you know, embrace in more significance in the future. One that I think that, that you know, that I can see that we'll do more of, we, we really haven't done a whole lot of over the last couple of years is, you know, quantum computing. That's certainly something that, that has all the, you know, buzz of uh, that's going to be the next big thing. It's probably a ways out still, 
but it's something that that we should be embracing more fully. And I think that, you know, if you go back and look at how long these things go from being a concept that we talk about at South by Southwest to uh, full on everyone's involved. I mean, you know, we were doing sessions on Bitcoin and blockchain seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago. And, and yeah. at that point it was kind of, yeah, for sure. That that's that crazy talk. And then all of a sudden it just kind of exploded. And, and you see that with a lot of things of, of it's kind of a slow runway and then it just all of a sudden boom. So again, we hope to be at the first part of that runway with, with a lot of these upcoming trends. So Hugh, this has been fantastic. And we always like to ask our guests the same question at the end here, Hugh Forrest, what's next Austin? What's next, Austin? Uh, I hate to cop out and say that whatever is next in Austin, as long as we are true to our heritage of creativity, of innovation, of helping each other out, um, of you know, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. I think that our future is 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 very strong, and, and um, I hope that South by Southwest continues to be a big part of that future. And I think that we will be as long as we continue to focus on creativity and innovation and uh, the best and brightest new ideas and, and inspire people to do better. Fantastic! Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher, leave us a review, and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.